and welcome back to Rounding the News. We've got a little bit of a different setup this week because YouTube decided to take down our video with Micah of No Permit and uh, give us a strike, which means we can't actually even upload or do live streams or anything to our YouTube channel, I guess, until they decide we've been good little girls and boys, which something tells me is unlikely to happen anytime soon. So we should still be live on Rockfin, which it looks like we are. Fantastic. It looks like we should be live on Rumble. Let's find out if that's the case. If you can hear me, give me a little thumbs up in the Rumble chat there. And last but not least, it's entirely possible that we are live on Twitter. Let me see if I can confirm that. Looks like we are fantastic okay now i'm looking a little red because my lights are getting dim for the day but that's okay oh that made it worse yeah well good news is we're gonna zoom in on a nice presentation here for you yes indeed rounding the news november 25th 2022 examining effective altruism so uh yeah well, let's get into it. But first of all, rounding the news. Yeah, welcome back. My name is Liam Sturgis, and I'll be your host for today. This is presented by Rounding the Earth, which you can find at roundingtheearth.substack.com. That is where Matthew Crawford writes his wonderful uh, newsletter articles. And um, we've recently started doing some more uh, video and audio type content, which is, well, it's what you're listening to right now. Now, you can tell I'm good at this. So before we get started, allow me to remind you that the oh, I'm jumping ahead that the best way to support us is to send us a rumble rant on rumble where you are presumably watching now a $5 tip on Rockfin or even more if you can. And um, I believe you may even be able to send Bitcoin and Ethereum donations via Twitter, but that is neither here nor there even more importantly though you can come to our new locals community that is at roundingtheearth.locals.com where we even have uh the show notes of all things for today's show included in the pinned post along with links to watch the show live well i wrote on youtube in my script here but as you can see we're suspended but rumble and rockfin are there as well Join the community as a free member or sign up to support us for $5 a month to gain access to locals exclusive live streams, such as the one we just finished doing a three hour beautifully done live stream by Matthew uh, on the topic of the FTX scandal and the bigger picture, which is what we're going to follow up on here in this video. But we're going to take a slightly different angle. We're going to look more at the effective altruism part. And today's going to be a bit different. Instead of a standard news update, we are going to do a, a, a special report, you might say, investigating deeper into the shadowy yet flowery-seeming background of this so-called effective altruism and its role in the FTX collapse. So here's our background. Everybody knows this face by now. That is Sam Bankman-Fried. Effective altruism has been identified as his ideological, the driving force behind him, the now infamous SBF, founder of cryptocurrency giant FTX and the associated Alameda Research. Yes, indeed. There's no one left to talk to, says SBF. He says he's deeply sorry and apology to FTX employees. And I'm sure he is, you know, 
my crypto confession, Sam Bankman-Fried was a member of two cults. One I have criticized and one I belong to, says Derek Thompson in The Atlantic, which is publishing some wonderfully interesting stuff lately. But these are the headlines. There's been a bit of a collapse. He founded FTX in Alameda. There remains further areas to explore, though, in what led to this. Even pre-crypto, this story takes us way back. We have to explore the network of organizations at its center, its role in pandemic preparedness, as well as other pseudo-philanthropic ventures around the world. There's a nice picture of SBF up there as an angel dropping coins everywhere. Seems a little too good to be true, I suppose. So, let's get into it. While the roots of effective altruism, which we could also call EA, extend beyond, oh, how do I make it like that? There you go. Extend beyond the name itself. We're going to start with the man cited as starting this modern movement, and his name is William McCaskill. He was born William Crouch. He took the last name of his spouse's grandmother. That marriage did not last. Rather interesting. And um, at age 18, oh, well, he's a British philosopher and he's a professor at the University of Oxford. At age 18, he was influenced by a 1972 essay by the radical utilitarian, or utilitarian, Freudian slip, Peter Singer, leading him to be shunted onto a track of rigorous and uncompromising moralism. He went on to found a moral crusade that would allow him to shape a new social equilibrium in line with his worldview. As the New Yorker frames it, this was the start of the modern effective altruism. Oh, we'll get to that. Oh, man, I spoiled the best part. Well, McCaskill's early philanthropic interests seemed to revolve mainly around healthcare. When he was 15, he decided to get rich in order to save people from AIDS. As a young adult, he spent a summer volunteering at a rehabilitation center in Ethiopia and thought a lot about polio. However, as I just spoiled, there's another activity of his that I think is worth mentioning. I quote from this New Yorker report I referenced earlier. This wasn't much. He was then living on a university stipend. I think it's okay to tell you this. I supplemented my income with nude modeling for life drawing classes. The postures left him free to philosophize. Later, he moved on to bachelorette parties, where he could make twice the money for way easier poses. Hmm. Hmm. Very well. So. After meeting an Australian gentleman named Toby Ord, who you can see here on the right, the two got along royally and decided to try to convince their friends and other moral philosophers to pledge a secular tithe. In other words, to commit to giving away most of their money. This led to the founding of an organization called Giving What We Can in November 2009. At launch... The organization described itself as an international society dedicated to eliminating poverty in the developing world. Funding was provided by the University of Oxford through the Oxford Uhiro, interesting, Center for Practical Ethics, Balliol College, and the Future of Humanity Institute. Later funding came from the Pears Foundation and Dr. Frederick Mulder, a Canadian art dealer and philanthropist who founded the Funding Network. 
you may hear some piano in the background. It's that time of day. Okay, so now today we're gonna we're gonna get into this in a second. But today, giving what we can describes itself as a community of effective givers and one of the first organizations in a growing community of like-minded organizations focused on effective altruism. Its main purpose seems to be to recommend specific charities where donors should direct their funds. In 2022, some of the top suggestions for funds managed by other organizations are GiveWell, Effective Altruism Funds, Animal Charity Evaluators, what do we got, Longview Philanthropy, and Founders Pledge, all of which are more directly connected than meets the eye. And we'll see. Now, apart from these sort of uh, fund-managed other organizations in the same circle suggestions, one of the other organizations in the top-rated charities and nonprofits is New Incentives, a program that uses small cash incentives to boost childhood vaccination rates among babies in Nigeria. Oh boy, its partners include GiveWell, Good Ventures Foundation, Open Philanthropy, Y Combinator, Raising for Effective Giving, and yes, look at that bottom right-hand corner, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Very nice. You know you'll find them everywhere. Now, another vaccine-related venture is Savita, partnered with GiveWell Encore, which is an incubator of the Nudge Institute, Charity Entrepreneurship, D-Prize, Founders Pledge, Schmidt Ventures, as in Eric Schmidt of Google, The Funding Network, funded by that guy or founded by that guy we heard about earlier, and Network for Social Change. Then there's Iodine Global Network, whose partner and donors, partners and donors include, well, let's see, UNICEF, the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, United States Agency for International Development, the Good Ventures Foundation, and Giving What We Can itself. Uh, and some more, as you can see there. Lots of fun logos. So every charity and organization on Giving What We Can's list deserves deep scrutiny. I was only able to do a couple late last night. But none deserve more scrutiny than the Nuclear Threat Initiative and the Johns Hopkins Center for Health Security. These two organizations are deeply tied to the most significant pandemic preparedness programs worldwide, including virtually all of the major exercises the public is quickly becoming familiar with. For example, the Nuclear Threat Initiative, through its NTI Bio wing, co-hosted a tabletop simulation of a weaponized monkeypox outbreak in March 2021, accurately predicting May 2022 as the start of the real-world monkeypox outbreak. Christopher R. Isaac, an alumnus of the John Hopkins Center for Health Security Emerging Leaders in Biosecurity Fellowship, co-authored this scenario. Open Philanthropy, which you may notice is already starting to be a recurring name, funded the exercise. As McGaskill, seen on the right there, neared graduation, 
he reportedly experienced an understandable mini-crisis while trying to decide how to move ahead in his career. This led him and his classmate Benjamin Todd on the left to launch 80,000 Hours in October 2011. 80,000 Hours is described as an offshoot of Giving What We Can, designed to offer ethical life optimization advice to undergraduates. According to Todd's LinkedIn profile, he was, quote, the first undergraduate to work as equity analyst at $20 billion plus asset manager in his role at Orbis Investment Advisory. So that's just to show the caliber of professional uh, at such a young age that we're dealing with here. Now, McGaskill delivered several talks in this period, probably many talks, to be honest, purportedly inspiring members of the audience to sign his pledge and take on lucrative positions at companies such as PricewaterhouseCoopers. In the case of a student of Peter Singer's, who was McGaskill's inspiration, named Matt Wage, uh, he took a job at a firm called Jane Street Capital, which you may remember from, I don't know, any conversation about the FTX situation. Jane Street Capital is where Sam Bankman-Fried worked as a trader. But I digress. We'll come to that later. Wage also had health-related inclinations, thinking about how to cure... Oh, what did he think about how to how to cure between 400 and 2,000 people in developing countries of blindness from glaucoma and donating a kidney? While seemingly unconcerned with the question of pesticide use and suicide rates. So sort of selective effective philanthropy. But 80,000 hours is funded primarily by open philanthropy. There they are again with additional support from Effective Altruism Funds, Y Combinator, Ben Delo, who is the founder of BitMEX, who just pled guilty, by the way, to civil and criminal charges related to securities issues, the Berkeley Existential Risk Institute, or Barry, and the infamous later FTX founder, Sam Bankman-Fried, indeed. Now, one of these donors, Barry, collaborates with a number of interesting organizations at the intersection of human genetics and artificial intelligence. And here is a list of them there. Some examples that I do want to point out, we have the Center for Human Compatible AI at UC Berkeley, the Center for the Study of Existential Risk at Cambridge, the Future of Humanity Institute at Oxford University. Remember that one. The Stanford Existential Risks Initiative, the Autonomous Learning Laboratory at University of Massachusetts Amherst, the Sculpting Evolution Group at the MIT Media Lab, the Interactive Autonomy and Collaborative Technologies Laboratory at UC Berkeley, and uh, some guy named David Kruger at the University of Cambridge. Okay, so we have this connection between AI and whatever. This is the kind of um, social circles, philanthropic circles these folks are, are working in. Good stuff. So then, as the story goes, the expanding portfolio of effective altruism groups managed by McGaskill and his friends required the introduction of a, an umbrella nonprofit with paid staff under which giving what we can and 80,000 hours could be incorporated. Thus... The Center for Effective Altruism was launched in 2012. Benjamin Todd, McGaskill's founder, 
co-founder of 80,000 Hours, joined the center as a senior advisor. Then, in August of 2012, yet another organization was launched, this time as a sub-project of 80,000 Hours, and it was titled Effective Animal Activism, which was shortly after renamed to Animal Charity Evaluators and spun out into its own organization. So these two groups are one and the same, to be clear. Another person inspired by McGaskill's work was a lady named Julia Wise, who had previously worked with Oxfam America and the Jewish Vocational Service. This led her into a short career in mental health-related social work at Bay Ridge Hospital in Lynn, Massachusetts, followed by psychiatric work at South Bay House of Correction, a Suffolk County jail. So moved was she by McGaskill and his EA Ventures, Wise apparently donated most of her savings that she had at the time to the Center for Effective Altruism. She then started to work at the center in 2015, serving as president of Giving What We Can from 2017 to 2020, and on the board of GiveWell, yet another recurring organization. Hmm. So McGaskill was hired as an associate professor at the University of Oxford in 2015. At the very young age of 28, just one year older than me, he was said to be the youngest such philosophy professor in the world. Wow. Doesn't look like he knows how to solve a Rubik's Cube, so there's something. I don't know either. I'm just making fun. But moving on. In June 2015, 80,000 Hours was accepted into Y Combinator, a prestigious startup incubator. This granted the nonprofit a $100,000 donation and put them under the guiding hand of a man named Paul Butchite, founder of Gmail. Cool. Now, Y Combinator is an intimidating entity to examine, if only because it claims responsibility for launching a long list of important companies and services. The biggies include, oh boy, Airbnb, DoorDash, Coinbase, Dropbox, Stripe, Instacart, Reddit, Twitch, Weebly, Teespring, 9gag, and even Substack, the very freedom of speech platform on which Matthew and Rounding the Earth flourished and on which I was typing this script and where the show notes are hosted. Very interesting. In fact, the same year that it brought 80,000 hours into its fold, Y Combinator also expanded its reach to recruit companies in biotechnology, driverless cars, and nuclear energy. For example, Embark Trucks and Cruise are both working on driverless tech. Momentus is a space technology company that made headlines in April of this year after signing a deal with Elon Musk's SpaceX. Hmm. And lastly, the Immunity Project is, quote, developing a free vaccine to end HIV and AIDS. Okay. Then there's Ginkgo Bioworks, a company that has been admirably scrutinized by the likes of Whitney Webb and Derek Bros. Now, you can find this episode of Unlimited Hangout at unlimitedhangout.com. Looking at Derek's article for The Last American Vagabond almost two years ago, 
I quote, Ginkgo Bioworks was founded in 2009 by a group of MIT scientists focused on engineering biology for a variety of purposes. Officially, Ginkgo Bioworks designs, engineers, develops, tests, and licenses organisms. The company refers to their work as biology by design, stating that they program cells to make everything from food to materials to therapeutics. Ginkgo's researchers use genetic engineering to design and print new DNA for a range of organisms, including plants and bacteria. These organisms can then be licensed out for artificial flavors and sweeteners, cosmetic ingredients, crop treatments, and pharmaceuticals. Derek also notes the significant investments poured into Ginkgo Bioworks, including from Bill Gates through his Cascade investment firm. It also received a $1.1 billion loan in November 2020 from the U.S. government through the U.S. International Development Finance Corps, or DFC, for, quote, COVID-19 testing and the production of raw materials for therapies that may help address future pandemics. And as it turns out, Ginkgo also played a role, a key role nonetheless, no less perhaps, in the manufacturing of Moderna's COVID-19 genetic vaccine product mRNA-1273. You don't need to wait for the future pandemic when the money's coming in for this one. And to add insult to injury, Wikipedia offers this. In October 2022, Bloomberg News reported that Ginkgo Bioworks partnered with Intelligence Advanced Research Products Activity, or IARPA, to create a software tool to help detect when biological organisms have been genetically engineered. The tool, known as ENDAR, short for Engineered Nucleotide Detection and Ranking, could be used to provide an early warning of bioweapons and other man-made biological threats. Problem, reaction, solution. As a final note on Y Combinator, for the time being, its founder, this handsome gentleman named Sam Altman, played an important role in the COVID-19 crisis, as well as the 2020 presidential election. In April 2020, he set up Project Covalence in order to, quote, help researchers rapidly launch clinical trials to accelerate the development of treatments and diagnostics for COVID-19. Project Covalence was a collaboration with Mark Fishman, founder of the Novartis Institutes for Biomedical Research, and TrialSpark, a new age pharma company, partnered with, once that little bar goes away, you see Pfizer, Novartis, Sanofi, and Mark Fishman's uh, Aditim Bio. Okay. Now, of course, it the web just keeps on growing, guys. One of TrialSpark's top investors is Sequoia Capital, a major investor in FTX. This Wall Street Journal headline, Sequoia Capital apologizes to its fund investors for FTX loss. Venture capital firm tells fund investors that it will improve due diligence on future investments after a $150 million loss on crypto exchange. All right, it all comes full circle. Now, in May 2020, 
Altman donated $250,000 to American Bridge 21st Century, a super PAC supporting the successful election of Joe Biden to the presidency. Okay. Now, jumping back slightly brings us to the inaugural Effective Altruism Global event held in June-slash-July 2013 in the San Francisco Bay Area. The seven-day event was hosted by the Center for Effective Altruism with participation from 80,000 Hours, Center for Applied Rationality, Effective Animal Activism, which, as we discussed earlier, is now Animal Charity Evaluator, Give Well, Giving What We Can, Leverage Research, Machine Intelligence Research Institute, and the High Impact Network, or THINK for short. One participating organization, MIRI, that Machine Intelligence Research Institute, is closely linked to a number of high-profile individuals and organizations, especially in the cryptocurrency space. This includes Vitalik Buterin, the inventor and co-founder of Ethereum. We also have the Teal Foundation, the Foundation funded by PayPal co-founder and venture capitalist Peter Thiel, who also had an early stake in Facebook. We have the Berkeley Existential Risk Initiative. We have John Tallinn, co-creator of Skype, who co-founded the Future of Life Institute and the Center for the Study of Existential Risk. Jed McCaleb, developer of the Ripple and Stellar currency exchange systems. Open Philanthropy, once again and at least two anonymous Ethereum donors. Others include the aforementioned Ben Dilo, the, oh, Effective Altruism Funds, Raising for Effective Giving, and Alameda Research. Okay, the event attracted, so this is back to the inaugural summit, uh, attracted very high-profile speakers, including Peter Singer, who was William McCaskill's original influence, remember, as well as Peter Thiel and Holden Karnovsky, co-founder of GiveWell. It's all the same people who just keep showing up over and over again. Okay, the 2014 summit was joined by additional partners uh, in the form of the Future of Humanity Institute. Remember I said to keep that one in mind. The Google-backed Give Directly, Founders Fund, Future of Life Institute, The Life You Can Save, and Population Services International, which is an organization partnered with all these pretty colors. The Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, Children's Investment Fund Foundation, which, quick sidebar, if you remember from a couple weeks ago, was an organization that Rishi Sunak, who is now the Prime Minister of Great Britain, used to work for. And along with FTX, turns out funded the Together trial. Oh, also Global Affairs Canada, which is basically our government's globalism department. Margaret A. Cargill Philanthropies, which is to be explored another time. UNICEF, UNIDAID, USAID, and the World Bank. The following year, the summit went truly global. From Wikipedia, in 2015, there were three main EA global events. The largest was a three-day conference that took place on the Google campus in Mountain View, California, with speakers including entrepreneur Elon Musk, computer scientist Stuart J. Russell, and Oxford philosophy professor, obviously, William McCaskill. There were also conferences in Oxford and Melbourne, 
According to McCaskill, the nature of the conferences improved coordination and ideological diversity within effective altruism. Talks included subjects such as global poverty, animal advocacy, cause prioritization research, and policy change, which is lobbying, right? Um, according to McCaskill, he tried to speak to Musk at the event for five minutes about global, po global poverty and got little interest, end quote. Still, Musk's role in the effective altruism community is not insignificant by this point. He is a major funder of the Future of Humanity Institute at Oxford, which is directly tied to many individuals and organizations discussed thus far. In fact, I think all of them either are or started at or down the hall from the Future of Humanity Institute. So, as I write this report, and as I broadcast this to you today, fine community members, round earthers, you might say, the elephant in the room is looming larger and larger. One of the names that continues to recur throughout this story is open philanthropy. What is this ever-present organization, and what is its role in connecting effective altruism and biosecurity? Well, unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. <laughs> there remains much to do, and uh, I'm now getting ready to MC a fundraiser tomorrow for some uh, doctors, including, actually, it is the organization led by York Shung, who uh, was one of our guests uh, a couple of months ago for a roundtable. Yes, their lawsuit is uh, on the go. And uh, we have a wonderful fundraiser event uh, planned for tomorrow. And I, I was asked to emcee it. So I got to come up with a bit of a script. And um, yeah, so I will be back with part two of possibly more of this investigative report. We're going to go into open philanthropy. Um, I'll tell you right off the bat, it's founded by Dustin, Dustin Moskowitz, who uh, was a co-founder of Facebook. So that's your little tidbit. If you've enjoyed the show, please drop us a rumble rant or a tip on Rockfin. And before you leave, do please go sign up as a member to our locals community. And you can even snag yourself a free month for premium support using the promo code, which is included on the top pinned comment in the locals community, after which you can keep us going if you want uh, at $5 a month and gain access to behind the scenes discussions that we're keeping within our more intimate community. And um, you do that www.roundingtheearth.locals.com. I have been Liam Sturgis. You can find me at www.liamsturgis.com or on Twitter at the Liam Sturgis. And once again, back to where we came, www.roundingtheearth.substack.com is where you can find Matthew's writing on all this stuff. Thank you so much, everybody. And I will see you back on, oh, golly gee, at least Tuesday. Have a wonderful Thanksgiving long weekend. Happy Thanksgiving to you all. Mm -hmm.